0: Today's show is brought to you by Delicious Obsessions. Real food, real life, and real delicious. Deliciousobsessions.com
1: You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, which can be found on our website at treyerwilderness.com and also on iTunes. Welcome to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where we are homesteading traditionally 100% off-grid today and offering preparedness and survival tips for tomorrow. Here's your host, Tammy Trayer.
0: Welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another podcast. I am blessed again to have another good guest today, and and, and I am anxious to share her with you. just wanted to touch base on a couple things. We have... Um, our webinars every month, and I wanted to make sure that you are aware of them. And you can go to our website at treyerwilderness.com and click on the webinars. It has the current webinar first, and you can uh, scroll down to go through all the archives. I also have my free ebook available to those that subscribe to my newsletter. You can go to slash newsletter and subscribe. You'll receive our free. Uh, food storage worksheets, as well as the Trayer Wilderness Cookbook, Homesteading the Traditional Way, Volume 1. So I'm really stoked about that. That has opened the door to the rest of my books, which I have six started, and I'm really excited to start sharing those with you. So stay tuned for that, and being a newsletter subscriber, you'll be the first to know when they're available. But without further ado, I would really like to introduce to you uh, a dear friend. I've been working with her for three years online. We've communicated uh, by phone actually once before, I believe, but mainly on the internet. And it's so nice to be able to connect and share my friends with you because they have so, so much to offer. And I have Erica Mueller today with me. She is from momprepares.com and she is a wealth of information on all kinds of topics. So... Erica, thank you so much for joining me.
2: Thank you for having me, Tammy. Uh, Tammy has been one of my um, superheroes of the homesteading life and the person that I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) So I'm very excited to be here today.
0: (laughs) I'm honored that you say that. I, I enjoy... The friendships I have found online, and it's just so funny how we are able to inspire and and encourage one another, and that is one of the huge and best benefits of the connections I've made online. And I appreciate you for that. <laughs> I would love for you to share with my audience today um, what you, how you begin, and what you do on your website.
2: Well, I actually. But Mom Prepares from a friend who had started it kind of as a curated site, a lot more like um, our... Homestead Bloggers Network. I okay. mean, other people's articles that she found and, um, she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. And I had been one of the curators. So I said, hey, background in, <laughs> um, homesteading and living kind of self-sufficiently. And this is a huge passion of mine. Um, and she sold it to me and, um, there were actually a couple of owners and I bought them all out. Awesome. got my own writers and said, we're going to do an actual website with our own original articles. And, um, you know, we do a roundup here or there, but most of the time it's, you know, somebody writing about something that they're very passionate about. So we have a lot of different topics from cooking to raising animals to basic preparedness type stuff. Um, and I write some on essential oils. um, but I just I wanted it to be a resource for people who are in the beginning stages. And there are people like you who live, you know, pretty much off grid and people are looking to you for, you know, what kind of tent to use if I'm building a house and I need to live in a tent for a while and mine is you know, the soccer mom is like, Okay, I need to know what to do. Um, if I've got a flat tire on the side of the road, what should I have in my car to prepare for something like that? Right. Um so I wanted it to be for
0: the beginner, and that's where my heart
2: is. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well, you, that's kind of how I got started on this.
0: <laughs> well, and you have such a diverse amount of information, and I love it. She always has such unique posts, and I love her photos. Her photos are always really good, too. But I would love for you, two to share with me um, your, your life and how you got involved and how it became a passion for you.
2: Well, when I was younger, um, I guess – the youngest I can remember being, I was about three, and my parents bought, like, a one and a third acre, and it was just meant to be, you know, a little house in the suburbs and fun, and I don't know what happened to my dad, but he, he suddenly decided he would like to have animals, and he bought a goat, and a couple of months later, he bought a 100 baby chicks. <laughs> and it kind of all went downhill from there. You know, um, you know, from never having any animals to having 100 chickens is kind of a big deal. And um, so we learned all at once how to raise chickens and um, then, of course, how to butcher chickens and how to sell eggs. And um, we had at one point up to 100 layers at one time, and we're selling eggs to health food stores and all of that on one and a third acres as well as a huge garden. <laughs> um, so that 's kind of where it started, and then they decided that wasn 't big enough. so they bought ten acres in the country and um that's I grew up most i would say most of my growing up years were there um until I was about fourteen and we had a mini farm with goats and sheep turkeys and chickens and ducks and a garden that was a couple of acres of fruit trees and um, all the different kinds of berries that you could imagine my dad has a really really good knack for just growing anything <laughs> and um, a couple of us kids are really good with the animals so I raised um, registered Nubians and I sold the milk I sold the babies and um, we raised meat sheep and sold the meat um, back then it wasn't such a big deal to sell milk and meat, you know, from your own farm and honey. (laughs) Uh, It's very difficult to do that now, but we were able to for several years, and it was a big blessing to our family. And during that time, I learned how to do things like cook on a wood cook stove and can and dehydrate, and um, my mom and I baked everything from scratch, bagels and English muffins, and you know... I don't remember us ever buying pre-made food when I was a kid. I'm very passionate about, and people always consider it um, this great gift that I know how to cook. (laughs) Well, there was a lot of training involved there because we cooked everything. And I'm, I'm the oldest of eight kids, so you can imagine there was a lot of cooking going on. Oh, yeah. I want to say a big garden. It was a big garden. So we produced almost everything. I think we probably went six or eight years without buying beef because we had so much lamb. And, um, you know, there are downsides to that. Um, I really don't care for eggs, (laughs) and I really don't like lamb because I spent so many years (laughs) eating so much (laughs) lamb so many eggs. (laughs) So I love red meat. Um, And I think, you know, but we couldn't have a cow. We didn't really have the ability and the land and pasture to have a cow. And so we did what we could where we were. And um, so that was all in Texas. And then my dad got a new job in Kentucky. So we just picked up everything, animals and all, and the only thing we couldn't take was the bees, because you're not allowed to cross the state lines uh, because of the fire ants. Um, But we were able to take everything else with us, and um, they bought 200 acres in the Appalachian Mountains.
0: Wow.
2: And if you've ever seen the Christie movies, (laughs) that's what this is. I am dead... Serious. Our next-door neighbor had an outhouse with no door that faced the road. Um,
0: <laughs> hello, neighbors.
2: Yeah, yes, hello, neighbors. Hi. And we could only see one house. From my mom and dad's house, and only in the winter time because it's just hills and farmland there. So it really was middle of nowhere, and they bought this piece of property that hadn't been lived on since 1976. So it had been abandoned for 22 years. Um, there was an 1800s log cabin, spring house, blacksmith shop, oh. carriage house, and a double cedar outhouse on the property. Wow. Um, the only running water was a spring from the mountain. <laughs> Um, And that was no longer flowing down. I mean, it was a little bit in the creek, but they had, at some point, they had routed it from the spring to the spring house with a pipe, and that was not flowing anymore. Um, So we had to have a well dug right away. Okay. when we moved there. Um, but they bought it and we moved in December and oh, wow. we got there and the driveway which was supposed to have been put in and the mobile home which was supposed to have been moved on were not there. Oh, wow. wow. Because it had started raining and nobody could do anything. Right. Um, so we ended up in a little rental house like three miles down the road and it really should have had a bulldozer <laughs> instead of renters. Um <laughs> There was no washer and dryer connections, no connections for a stove. There was no central heater air, nothing at all. Thank goodness it had two chimney flues. and my parents put up the wood cook stove and the wood heat stove. And that is what we cooked and heated with all winter long until May. Wow! When they finally got our driveway and our house put in, so we spent about five months without a refrigerator, without a washing machine, without heat, without a stove. Um, you know, just doing everything. We filled our washer from the bathtub with five gallon buckets. <laughs> we fed our animals in the barn and watered them with five gallon buckets filled from the bathtub because there was no outdoor spigot. Huh. We freeze dried our laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Right. It was such a cold winter that, you know, I would hang up one pant leg of the jeans, and by the time I would grab the other pant leg, it would crack because it the other was one frozen froze. already. Oh, wow. Yes. It was such an adventure. We'd wake up in the morning and be able to write our names in the frost on the wall. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> the fire went up. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So,
2: yeah, um, people always drove by and they're like, you guys live in that house? Well, what choice do we have, really? I mean...
0: Yeah, no kidding. We moved
2: here and nothing was done. So, you know, my parents always said, you know, I really hope, my mom was so worried that us kids would look back on that and remember it as a hardship. And I think every one of us looks back and remembers it like camping (laughs) because it was... I mean, it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, there were things, the house was so old that every time you swept the floor, it was still dirty. It could not mop. It just made mud. But the dirt just kept coming up through the floor, you know. So we wore our shoes in the house, you know. And um, (laughs) it was just a real adventure. I learned to split wood. I was about 14, and there I was out splitting wood. um, Because my brother, you know, he was three and a half years younger than me, the next one down. And just not... He wasn't full size yet. He couldn't do things like split wood. He could carry it, Um, and I think I became very, very strong that winter. Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. From all the buckets of water and all the chopping of the wood.
0: (laughs) Yep, and that's a day-to-day chore. So it's a day-to-day, you know, physical workout. So I'm sure you were good and strong. And swinging that axe isn't a light job. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and my
2: dad was working two hours away, so he was gone from sunup to sundown, and my mom was eight months pregnant. So, wow. it was definitely me doing the farm work. Wow. And, um, moving from Texas to Kentucky, you know, the wild animals are different too. And okay. one of the things that's most vivid in my memory is sitting in the living room, our whole family, and watching a mountain lion take down a deer in the backyard.
0: Oh wow.
2: Like just yeah. right there yeah. in the backyard between two houses. There it went. You know?
0: Yep yeah We're like, oh, wow, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's something that you gotta be you know be prepared for and ready for, and there's predators of all sizes, so you know you witnessed a lot in that time, and it And to most people, like you said, that would sound like such a grueling thing, but it's funny how we find excitement in these things. And and it's the sense of adventure that you pull from an experience like that because you're literally flying by the seat of your pants. There's no easier way to put that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it made me really thankful for the prior years, you know, when I had learned, even though we didn't need to cook on a wood cook stove, I had learned how, because my parents were preparing for Y2K. Okay. Okay. So, we moved at the end of 98, but they had already started preparing. So they had bought the wood stove and they had bought the wood cook stove and even though we didn't use those things on a regular basis on our little 10 acre property in Texas, we had learned how. And my mom did not know how to cook on a wood stove, but I had learned from some friends and I had actually given demonstrations at fairs and stuff on how to do that. So when we moved there and there was no other option, it was very good that I knew how to do that because at least we could eat.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Plus you had the added heat in the house being that you were drawing your name in frost so that was that was key right. that you didn't freeze to death that you had those options for heat and you know that's a perfect example I'm always telling my audience how important you know knowledge is power and there's a perfect example of a skill that you learned you may not have been able to utilize it where you were but you learned it and, and it did have its value so that's so important in learning these skills even if you don't have you know, reason to utilize them at the current time. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And one of the things I would recommend for that is if you don't know of a group locally who does something like that, to check with your extension agency and those in neighboring counties. Yeah. Because we found out a couple of years ago that our neighboring county had, like, a big chuckwagon cook-off oh, wow. type um, I guess you would call it a competition Uh and prior to that as part of the marketing for it they had classes so you could sign up and take a class on Dutch oven cooking oh nice and so my husband and I and brother did that together and it was a blast awesome Um, and it's something we haven't really used since because you know now I live in town I'm not doing a lot of Dutch oven cooking but it's something that we now know how to do
0: absolutely and when you go camping if you go camping you have that you know you can utilize that skill then too so that's awesome that's awesome that they offer it and great advice because the extensions often excuse me the extension offices offer so much stuff and people are totally unaware that they exist in in many places
2: they don't offer it they'll know somebody who does you know like this group so it was just a really good experience and a lot of my experience experience has come from that sort of thing. Um, I was a part, from the time I was 14 till I was about 20 when I got married and moved again, I was a part of an alternative agriculture group through our extension office, and we did outdoor walks with wild plant identification and um, edible things that you could get from the wild and the mushrooms and the ginseng and the black cohosh and all of that, so I was able to identify that stuff, and I had friends who would actually pick and sell it Um, But those are just, I mean, those are things people don't know exist that you can just go sign up for. Um, And I need to do that one again here locally because now that I'm back in Texas, there are a lot of plants that we have here that I'll be out on a walk somewhere and I'll think that looks familiar to me or that looks like it should be edible, but I don't know that it is and I don't know what it is. So I would like to do that again.
0: Yeah, that's, that's Um, huge. Those are, those are great classes to be able to utilize your surroundings and educate yourself on the plants for sure. So many people go out and, and do a lot of guesswork and it's so nice to have those free classes and the local people that you can really educate yourself with. That's, that's fantastic.
2: Yeah, I guess my next move would be, I got married and my husband drove me back to Texas. <laughs> um, and I, I do like it here, but it sure is different than Appalachian mountains. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'll like it more when we're in the country. Um, we go driving every Sunday. Um, our church is about 40 minutes out into the country. And um, it's just so beautiful. I think I, I could do this. You know, it's not Kentucky, but I could do this. Yep. But um, for the past 10 years, we have been stuck in town and for the past four, we've been very, very blessed. On about a half an acre, we do rent, so we can't do just whatever we want with the property, Um, but we've worked very hard to improve it in enough ways that hopefully our landlord won't be too upset that we put in a garden. (laughs) (laughs) So he's he's really easygoing, and he's never fussed about any of it. We always ask him, can we have a garden, you know, whatever, first. Okay. Um and he's been really cool about it but um yeah it's a little bit limiting there's enough property out there to have a really good sized urban farm but we can't do the animals. Like, I can't tear up his whole yard. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so uh, we have two uh, garden beds. They're about four foot by tw- uh, 12, I think, four by 12. And they're just raised beds that my husband built with some wood boards, and we bought soil and put in there and started gardening. So it's been about three years that we've had a uh, garden there now. And the first two were really hard. You know, things just didn't grow very well. We had to build that soil just like you do right. anywhere else. And, um it's been a very big surprise for me because every year we look at it and we say, "This garden is so small. is it really even worth <laughs> planting this and our Our excuse is always it's good for the kids because it teaches them where food comes from and how we grow it and how to care for plants, and you know that sort of thing. But this past two summers, we have been getting enough food to feed us and give some to our neighbors nice. or our family members. And it's been crazy to me how this little two-garden bed can produce more tomatoes than we could ever eat. <laughs> um, I mean, I could can some of them, and I did last year, and I probably will again. But things like squash and cucumbers and green beans. I've got so many green beans in my refrigerator right now from a little 4x4 four four patch. And <laughs> I'm just telling you tons of them. So when your soil gets good, even a small area can produce a lot more than you would think. Oh, yes.
0: Oh, yes. And and that's good for people to realize.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of times we get discouraged and we say, well, our space is so small. What could we possibly do? And um, I have a friend just down the road from me and she has just flower beds she doesn't even have garden beds in the back and she started putting vegetable plants into her flower beds yeah and she's growing stuff for her family too and it's just I think it really is kind of a food revolution people are starting to realize that it's not hard to grow your own and it's so much healthier and you don't have to have a big space no to be successful Yep. So we've done the, those two beds, and then we covered an old stump in our yard with a tiered strawberry bed. So it's square and it has a couple of layers. Nice. And um, we've got strawberries and pumpkins in there. This nice. year, the kids wanted to grow pumpkins. Okay. Um, and I've got rain barrels. Um that was one of our homestead projects this year was that we wanted to do rain barrels, and that's been a very successful thing for us. Um, we haven't had to use tap water for our garden once wow. um, all year. We've gotten a lot of rain. I was going to say, you have, guys have been getting have water drenched. A couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, my rain barrels stay full, even <laughs> when I have to use them. <laughs> they stay full. So it's been a very big blessing because it cuts down on our water bill, but it also it's so much better for our plants. You notice a huge difference, especially on the berries yeah. when you use rainwater. Yeah. So I'm very excited about those. That's awesome. But other than that, I mean, we can't have animals, and we don't have an orchard or a berry patch or, you know, um, So it's very much a little urban garden back here. And some days it feels really discouraging, and other days it's a big victory. When I'm writing on my site, a lot of times I feel funny writing about animals or outdoor cooking or, you know, those things that I don't do every day anymore. And it feels like a lie or a farce. (laughs) But... I really did come from that, and I would go back to it in a heartbeat, but right now I can't practice all of that, so I just have to learn to be content doing what I can do where I am, yep. and so it's been quite, uh, quite a learning experience for me in the past year. Um, it's like I know how to grow things, but I have to get used to the fact that I can't grow everything.
0: Right. Right.
2: Um, and done it backwards.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's a good story because, you know, it, it points out a lot of things, you know. Um, one, your roots grow really deep when you have had the opportunity. And once you do have the opportunity, even for people that are going into it later in life, those roots will start to form. And it's something that you can't really walk away from and that you desire to stick with. and. And it also, you know, it's a good thing for people to understand that, you know, because so many people are out there wishing that they could do things and not, you know, because they're so worried about what they would like, they're not focusing on what they have. And dealing with what you have and where you are at the current state in your life is really important because you can still do things just like Erica just shared, you know, she's, she's, producing food for her family in a very small space and you know utilizing her resources with the rainwater you know these are things that you could do too in the location you're at now or you can improvise and do different things even if it's planting in your flower bed or planting in containers you know we had to do that out here for the first couple years our garden is really getting its opportunities this year to really produce something you know so you you got to We always say our saying is, it is what it is. And as it is, you got to deal with it. And, you know, making the best of your situation is key. So you've really, you know, shared shared that uh, as far as, you know, your current state. And sharing what you do on your website is awesome because you know, when I read your posts, I can always tell that this is something that you're very passionate about. And and that although you may feel like a farce, you certainly are sharing a lot of very valuable information. And it is things that you have accomplished, which is, you know, awesome and and paying it forward.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Yeah, I try really hard not to write about something that I've never done before. So if you see me talking about, you know, how to worm your goats, I've Probably done it 300 times. Um, (laughs) I'm not doing it right now, but (laughs) um, I I have the experience there. Um, That's one thing I don't know that I'll own again is goats. So they're kind of troublemakers, but um, we have done the cows and the horses. (laughs) Yeah, they they can be um, very mischievous. Yes. Uh, when we moved to the two hundred acres, we cut way down on the number of goats and sheep that we had, and we got a milk cow and we got horses. And so we've also farmed with horses, uh, trained horses to pull, and done all the farming and the plowing and stuff with the horses too, and we've grown our own wheat and threshed it and all of that stuff. Um, That's so cool. And ground it, you know, from the seed to the, to the bread. We did that one year just, you know, to say we did, and then another year we did corn. Nice. And we did the heirloom variety It's all different colors. Nice. And we stored it in the old... Corn cribs that were there on the property already, and yep. and then got the sheller thing, and you know, then yep. we ground it. and We made our own cornbread, and you know, the fun experiences. And I don't know that I would do all of that again, <laughs> <laughs> but I would like my kids to be able to have those experiences too. You know, where oh, they yeah. could say, "I know how to do that," and if I needed to do that, I could. Yep. Um, yep. And I think that that's just something a lot of our young people, even even my parents' generation. They are lacking that. They have no idea if I needed to provide for myself, could I? Yeah. And I have a very, I mean, I feel very confident that I could. Right. Even here, if I needed to tear up this backyard and plant more stuff, I sure could grow enough food to feed my family because I know how. Yes. You know, and I think that it's a very empowering thing, especially as a parent. If you know how, even if your garden is small and it doesn't produce enough for you right now, The fact that you would know how to would be very empowering. So I encourage people to do that. Container garden, whatever you have to do, learn how to grow things. And if you can't, there's always the farmer's market. Um, Ours has improved so much in the last year. And we can go down there and get stuff that maybe we don't have space to grow. And we can bring it home and can it so that we have it during the the winter. the winter months and it's still a form of self-sufficiency. It's way better than mm-hmm. relying on the grocery store and the canned goods there. Yes. You know, to know that you've done it yourself and it's another skill that you can add and we do that a lot. We go to the Yupik farms and we get berries and buy canned or uh, cases of peaches and apples and we dry them and we can them. Those are things you can do in the city yeah, yeah. even if you can't grow them yourself. Yep. so I guess we're homesteaders in that case. We don't have the animals, but <laughs> we do as much as we can of that sort of stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, um, and that's great advice. And I
2: make all our, yeah, and you can make your own cleaners and your own, you know, beauty products and that sort of thing. You can do that in the city, too,
0: yep.
2: so if you're feeling limited, there are so many things that you can do yep. that we do every day here.
0: Yeah, and that's awesome for my audience to hear because a lot of times my um, guests, you know, are homesteading on, on acres and, and, you know, and I've had others on that are in small spaces, but I, I really think it's important for people to hear more of that because so many people are limited in their their current situation, whether it's an apartment, you know, on a small lot, whatever, but there there is... So many things that you can conquer and the U picks and and the farmers markets are so important because you learning how to can and preserve your food could not be more important and you had mentioned on it earlier um, you know how much healthier it is I had a guest on two weeks ago and we were discussing how anxiety depression PTSD a lot of the common things that are being um, diagnosed today, are a result of our food and so taking yourself one step further and you know learning how to can and utilizing your resources even if you don't have space to do it yourself but utilizing those resources that are around you you picks and and a lot of the farmers markets you can find really great deals um sometimes you can find deals on seconds which would be like say, peaches that are damaged, you know, they just have spots on them. They're not rotten. They just have spots on them and they can't sell them, you know, to the markets. But you can get them at a great price. And if you're going to go home and can them right away, make jelly and or halved peaches or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, even pie filling, you know, you can can all that stuff and and do it at such a discount. So there are certainly ways to become very self sufficient in a small and a and a even an apartment. So that's that's such great advice, Erica.
2: Yeah. Can and dehydrate because those are the things that don't require, you know, electricity as far as storing them goes. You know, I love to freeze things because I prefer frozen vegetables over canned. So I do freeze a lot of my fruits and vegetables, but okay. I want to also have can and dry it on hand because those aren't going to go bad if we, you know, lose power for a couple of days.
0: Yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. And see we we have a freezer, but it's a very it's a propane freezer so its cu- cubic space is a lot smaller than the average freezers and our freezers go strictly for our our meat if we can and oftentimes our cheese but to be able to put things on our shelves and dehydrate things. Now, are you guys limited on your space for storage? Because those of you that are in the city, you can always put, you know, your canned goods under beds and in the in the closets and different things like that. But are you guys, do you guys have limited space or are you good with that?
2: Uh, it's kind of limited. We're in a three-bedroom house, but it's a small three-bedroom house. Mm-hmm. And I could do more canned goods and stuff under the bed. So that's about so. The- only space I have left to put anything, um, because it's just, it is a really tight fit for us. I work right. from home, so I have an office, you know, one yeah. of the rooms has to be an office, yep. and there is no pantry. Yep. <laughs> I, yep. <laughs> my, I tell my sister she's staying with us for the summer. I say, "Go get some such and such out of the pantry," and she looks at me kind of funny, and she's like, "You mean the cupboard?" I'm like, "Yeah, that tall cupboard over there is the pantry." <laughs> um, so I have a really hard time. I would love to buy things in bulk, and I have a hard time buying in bulk because I don't have a place to put it. Okay. When I buy it in bulk, so the dehydrator is really my friend yeah. because it makes things take so much less space. <laughs>
0: yep. yep. Yeah.
2: So I. Even those things, I usually dehydrate it and then I tuck it in the freezer to make it last even longer. But I know that if the freezer went out, it would be okay because I actually have a deep freeze. So that's kind of my food storage space no matter what.
0: Well, that's that's <laughs> but, smart. Yeah,
2: it's the storage space is a big issue. I would like to store water. Or least store water. So my thing is like, okay, so we can have a Berkey filter. And we could use our rain barrel water if we needed to. We had two barrels. Yep. And that would be enough to last us for quite a long time. So we don't necessarily have to store water like some people do. Right. Because we always have those two full and we could throw it through a Berkey. Yep. Yeah. So... Um,
0: and- and it's just utilizing those, you know, first of all, it's coming up with a plan. You know, if you're in a, a small situation, having a plan and, and taking it one step at a time and, you know, utilizing your efforts into self-sufficiency one thing at a time is probably uh, the best angle of attack for a situation like that, would you say, Erica?
2: I would say so, yeah. And, yeah. you know, there are things like, you know, other things that are difficult for me, like um, our house has an electric stove, and that's something I really can't change. Right. But when I bought a grill, I made sure that my propane grill had a burner on the side. Right. So if we can't cook in the house, we can cook on a burner on our grill. Right. So those are just, you know, the little things that we try to keep in mind yep. um, as yep. we're going through our life and buying things.
0: Yeah. Having a form of backup is always good, you know, and and, and just mm-hmm. thinking out of the box is one of the the biggest things like as i've spoken about with several of my other guests is that you know um start out small planning for like a three-day power outage and how would you handle it and what were the things you would need and and go from there um and and just start expanding but if you have a to-do list i suggest that you don't wait on it if you want to embrace you know um learning how to can do it today You know, don't, don't wait because these skills are very, very powerful and you never know when you will need to utilize them. Like Erica said, when she got to their home in Kentucky, they needed to utilize the wood cook stove. So it was a good thing she had the knowledge that she did.
2: Very, very good stuff to know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love your story. I mean, that's, I, my prayer for you will be that you get to go back to your roots because I know I can I know that you're you're so desiring to do that but you know it's all in all in God's timing and you you have the knowledge and you're sharing the knowledge which is so key because people need to know it and and like I had mentioned before you folks can certainly find endless amounts of information at Erica's website, momprepares.com. and Erica we're running out of time right now but I would love for you to give some last minute inspiration to the to the audience if you don't mind
2: yeah well I just want to say that um, learning to be content where you are is a really really big deal I've been a pretty content person for most of my life but it I feel myself every once in a while wearing thin you know when are we going to be in the country when are we going to be in the country and and I just take a little walk out to my garden and see what we've accomplished. And it puts a smile on my face and it reminds me that we can do this right where we are people to do what you can where you are start researching in your local area what you can learn from other people and ask people at the farmer's market ask the guy with the bees if you can come out and see how his setup is done Um, ask the vegetable gardeners if you can come see their places or if they have tips on how to grow green beans just start learning even if you can't plant right now maybe you're in an apartment and you don't even have a balcony and you can't plant something Go ahead and start learning the skills so that when you do have the opportunity to grow things, you'll be able to, and you'll be that much further ahead already because you've learned those skills. So I just... I really want to encourage people to go ahead and learn it, even if they can't do it, because it will empower you and you'll feel a lot less daunted by the prospect of buying a piece of property if you already know what you're going to do with it.
0: That's awesome advice. Such awesome advice. And also just being happy where we are, you know, finding that peace and comfort in that is huge because otherwise we just create our own self-manifested stress. (laughs) So that's really, really great advice. Really great advice. And Erica, thank you so very much for taking the time to join me. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me,
2: Tammy. It's been a lot of fun. I always enjoy getting to talk to you. And I learned so much from your website. So um, it's been an honor to be with you today.
0: Thank you. And yours is a very inspirational site and a wealth of information, too. I've gained a lot from yours as well. And I enjoy being able to work with you. We just we connect. It's so nice to be able to work with like-minded people that we feed off of. So I really appreciate you taking this time today and sharing yourself with my audience. And everyone, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate that as well. I know your time is valuable and it really means a lot to me that you take time out of your day to listen to my shows. So with that being said, you guys take care, have a wonderful week and until our next show, God bless.
1: You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where you will learn something new every week. We hope you enjoyed the show and encourage you to join us at treyerwilderness.com and be sure to connect with us on iTunes. Remember, your reviews on iTunes are very important to us and help us reach more people just like you.